Welcome to Total Teen Health and Wellness, the podcast for parents of teenagers to learn more about how medical and mental health issues are affecting their teen children. This is Dr. Shauna Garza, and I'm an adolescent medicine physician, providing essential education and helpful guidance to parents of teens and young adults. This podcast encourages parents to empower their teen children to live healthy and balanced lives. Welcome back to Total Teen Health and Wellness. This is Dr. Shauna Garza, and today on episode number six, we're going to discuss ADHD in teenagers and young adults. ADHD is something that I commonly evaluate for in my adolescent medicine practice as part of a comprehensive approach to care. Many of my patients present with concerns about anxiety, depression, not being able to keep up well with school demands, and it's important for us to evaluate them for symptoms that may be related to ADHD. I do want to mention that ADHD can be overdiagnosed. There is a lot of overlap with anxiety, and so it's important for me as a clinician to try to differentiate symptoms that are due to anxiety versus underlying ADHD. We also understand that we live in a fairly distracted environment now related to screens and technology and phones. And so not all patients that have a hard time paying attention have ADHD. We also know that ADHD can be underdiagnosed. I have many high school students who are very conscientious and intelligent and wanting to do well in school. So they have developed many strategies and skills to help them keep up with school demands. What often happens that they are not able to keep up as school gets harder, as the work gets more complex and more is expected of them, it's harder for them to keep up. And that may be due to underlying ADHD. There are two main areas of symptoms that affect patients. One area is inattention and the other is hyperactivity slash impulsivity. I'm going to review how that may look in your teen, and it's helpful for parents to know what to look for. ADHD affects patients in different areas of their lives. It's not just school that is hard for them. Many patients will have challenges in their social life and their relationships with their family and peers. They may have struggles in their home life with organization and keeping up with things. They may also be affected in their working life if they work in a part-time job. I've had many patients report to me how ADHD affects them in their sport and other activity. And so as we look at ADHD in teenagers, It's important for us to see how functioning is affected in different areas of their lives. We know that ADHD is related to brain health. There has been lots of research that shows that the brain is structurally different in patients that have ADHD. 
and it's also functionally different in that it affects brain chemistry. There is a very strong genetic component with ADHD, and so I always ask families about family history, and sometimes maybe parents or aunts and uncles, grandparents weren't diagnosed, but they feel like it was suspected that they have ADHD. ADHD impairs executive thinking and functioning. And what that means is that patients that have poor executive functioning have a lot of challenges related to planning, organizing, memory issues, time management. These are areas of struggle that can affect how patients function. As far as hyperactive and impulsive symptoms, much of this is observed by parents and teachers, and then as teens get older, they're able to self-report symptoms. We often think of hyperactivity in younger children, and we, as parents, have probably seen children that seem to be driven by a motor or never sit still or fidgety. And some of those things can be seen in teens as well. In teens, it tends to be more tapping of the hands or seats, squirming, not being able to stay seated, especially when it's expected, like in school, feeling restless where many teens will feel like they really can't rest and relax, difficulty doing independent activities quietly. They may have a challenge with waiting turns and waiting in line. They may talk excessively. They may blurt out answers too quickly in class and be disruptive in that sense. And then socially, we often will hear of patients that interrupt or don't let their peers finish their sentences, kind of intruding in conversations. And so as teens gain more insight into how that affects them, that often is something that they report and are bothered by in how they relate to others. Inattentive symptoms often will relate to spacing out or daydreaming. And sometimes that can be where patients are not paying close attention to details and will make careless mistakes if they recheck their schoolwork, for example. They may have a hard time paying attention, as it describes, and that could be not only in school, but in other home activities. They may lose track in conversation and may seem to not be listening well to instructions or conversation. They may fail to follow through with homework or chores, having a hard time wrapping up. Often, teens with inattention will avoid work that requires a lot of thought and preparation. It's very hard for teens to plan and get started with work, and so they end up procrastinating and avoiding that work. And then, of course, that can really affect how they do in school. So not being able to follow through, not being able to plan and get started, forgetting to turn work in, all of that can affect how patients do in school. 
teens may also lose things that they need for school as far as forgetting their chargers or laptops or backpacks. And that's hard for them to then meet the expectations at school. Often teens will feel easily distracted by outside sounds and other people's voices. And this is also where I feel like our phones can impact attention. We know that as adults, that if you have your phone beside you while you're trying to work and it's giving you notifications and messages, that that can be very distracting. So many teens really have to work on how they can manage having their phone accessible, but still being able to focus on their schoolwork. Many teens will be very forgetful in even just their routine activities. I have patients that have to think through their routines for getting ready for school, their routines through getting ready for bed and other parts of their day because they'll forget steps in that routine. The diagnosis of ADHD is made through our assessment with interviewing, with using different screening tools. For some younger patients, we actually will get parent input and teacher input. And then many teens will go through more extensive testing for evaluation of other educational and psychological issues that may be affecting their success in school. We do talk about how medication can help patients potentially with ADHD, but I always explain to parents and patients that they are only one tool to help manage symptoms of ADHD, and they never are used alone. Medications are not magic pills, and patients do well when they work on building other tools that help them function better. Routine and structure are very important to managing ADHD. Patients need to have a routine to their homework, for example, that when they come home, they have a system of checking what work they need to do, that that's actually done at the same table or desk at the same time, and they go through steps to check their work, do their work, get it completed, get it turned in. And during that structured academic time particularly, it's very important to limit distractions. So ideally, patients need to be doing homework in a quiet environment, And then I encourage them to remove their phone from that environment. It's important for teenagers to think about what system they can put into place to help them manage their time and to track their work. I often will have patients report to me that they really don't have a system, that they are trying to keep track of everything in their mind. And I tell them that that is not a realistic way of managing their concerns. They really do need to have some type of system to remind them, to track what they're doing. And so we brainstorm ideas. Right now, many patients are using online 
platforms for keeping track of their work. Some of that may be built into the system that their school district is using where they know they need to check their assignments and check their calendar and check when things are due. Some patients will use their own type of online calendar, whether it's a Google calendar or another type of reminder system. I have patients that like to have visual reminders, and they may have a dry erase board on their wall where they keep a list for the week or use a dry erase calendar. Maybe they have even a notebook that they write lists in each day or using a traditional paper planner where they keep track of their work. Essentially, I want patients to think of what kind of system they can implement that they'll maintain and that will serve them as a tool to help them keep better track of what's going on in their life. It's always important for patients to get enough sleep I talk about sleep and have reviewed that in other episodes, but sleep affects how your brain works and you need to be getting adequate sleep for your brain to function at its best. For high schoolers, that is getting eight to nine hours of sleep per night. And so patients need to schedule that amount of time so that they are able to focus and function at their best during the school day. Nutrition also has an important role in how your brain works. And so we do talk to patients about eating meals on a regular schedule and why breakfast is an important meal to fuel their brain to focus and to function best. Patients will also have academic supports to help them with their success in school, and I view that also as a tool for managing ADHD. Academic accommodations can help patients have time and support within the school environment, and that is a tool to help them be successful. Examples of accommodations that schools will implement include having extra time for testing, extra time for assignments, being able to take tests in a quieter environment. And those plans for accommodations are often individualized to the needs of each student. Ongoing parental support for patients to develop time management skills and improve on their executive functioning is always important. And parents really can help coach and support their teen children. There are coaches who are typically counselors that will work with patients individually to work on building these skills and to implement a plan. And as I mentioned, medications are an option for treating ADHD, and there are different classes of medicines that can help, including stimulant medication and non-stimulant medication. It's important for you to see your pediatrician, family doctor, or adolescent medicine doctor for further discussions on how medication might help your teen with ADHD. I hope this was helpful to you all today, and I look forward to next time. Thanks for listening today. 
If this episode helped you better understand the health of your teen and you're ready to learn more, please subscribe to hear future episodes of this podcast. Consider sharing it with other parents of teenagers. And remember, parents can help their teens live healthy and balanced lives.